You are listening to CBS Wire. In start August, the three CBS students Stine Bakker-Vium, Vibeke Finnemann and Karoline Boas handed in their master thesis entitled The Satirist's New Cloth. In the thesis, the three students looked into the current revival of political news satire, and most importantly, for the media at least, the thesis dared to criticize some of the most beloved political satire shows in Denmark. The thesis had the nerve to ask the question, is political news satire sharpening the critical minds of the population, or does it lullaby them to sleep? We met with one of the authors, Karoline Boas, to find out. You can laugh at the power structure and you can criticize it, but this laughter can also become like your own death or democracy's death. So what might seem to be the solution to the problem may actually end up being the problem itself. We've made several cases in our um, master thesis, but I think that the main one is perhaps to be cautious about the paradox of satire, especially political satire, because um, it is becoming this very popular uh, media and it's gaining more and more of our attention as opposed to regular and traditional media. And uh, so we were curious to know why it was becoming so popular. In the thesis, the students looked closely at three different pieces of satire. The first one were Rokokoposten, a clearly marked satire from Berlingske, who experiments with the concept of fake news. For example, one of the Copenhagen mayors, Nico Grünfeld, recently had to step down from his position due to inaccuracies in his resume. Rokokoposten then took this truth and hyper-enhanced it for their own satirical news bit, therefore ending up with the article, More trouble with the resume. Copenhagen mayor has never been mayor, uses a fake name, and has never been a member of the party he represents. But how can this gibberish be dangerous to democracy? We did use some different uh, philosophical theories to understand what it is satire can expose and what it can reveal about the current situation in the political scene in Denmark. But it also made us discover that actually satire, as much as it can reveal, it can also backfire or actually cause um, problems for democracy and for the way we understand the world around us. So I think that is what we're criticizing um, or what has become the critique um, of uh, satire, that uh, it can be very dangerous. Perfect. But before we dive into the critique, let's just talk about the phenomenon, political news satire. Why? Because we are seeing a boom in it right now. Why are we seeing this boom now? Uh, the trust in polit- politicians and in uh, journalists are at an all-time low. It's the same level as car dealers. So, um, and I think it's like one of the least uh, trustworthy uh, jobs you can have, as opposed to doctors and um, I can't remember what was on the top of the list. But um, so we were kind of curious to know why. Um, satire was booming and it seemed as though it was a response to this mistrust towards the traditional uh, power structure that lies in the Danish democracy. 
Yeah, in your master thesis, you actually call it the fifth uh, status. Or isn't that right? Yeah, well, it's not that we proclaim it. We just kind of um, defend it because a lot of people has been calling it for some time as the fifth uh, estate within democracy. So you have the traditional three estates um, and then you have the fourth, which is the media. And, um, and yeah, then political satire seems as though it is taking over the job that the media is supposed to have to protect the people against um, any wrongdoings in the elected power. Yeah, and uh, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Do you think the Danish political satire scene, are they good enough at taking this responsibility on their shoulders? Um, no, and that's actually what is like the ground point of our critique because um, it we're very pro satire, and there we have actually been criticised ourselves uh, with our master thesis and the following um, article we've been doing about it. Um, but we're not against satire; we're very much for it, and and it has so many opportunities that traditional journalism doesn't have. It it can reveal so much more because humour is such a strong uh, tool to reveal truth and how things are structured and created. Um, but we are critical towards uh, the sat- satirists themselves because they seem to be disidentifying, to use an academic word as such, um, with the role and the responsibility of being a fifth uh, estate in democracy. Do you have any ex- examples of that where the political satire has change something so drastically that it's clear to say you have a clear responsibility for this thing going this way and this mm. thing going this way. I mean, the the specific case that our thesis has been uh, surrounded around uh, was uh, last fall uh, during the regional elections, the local elections in um, in Copenhagen and in the rest of Denmark. There was uh, one of the mayors of Copenhagen who was uh, experiencing a so-called shitstorm in the Danish media where um journalists of all sorts was just uh, like pointing her out and calling her uh, hypocritical and everything because she uh, had been uh, using uh, some of her friends um carpentry work or as such uh, and then the entire media went against her and she had to step down from her position as mayor and didn't want to um you know run still uh, run in the election so she withdrew her her candidacy and uh, then one of the comedians or the sat- satirists in Denmark uh, Kirsten Birgit Schütz uh, her program then called Radio Vis this short uh, radio uh, news <laughs> segment um, uh, in that program she, she kept talking about it and Uh, highlighting how the media had attacked her, but there was some glory in it. This was the finest of journalism. They were taking down this cynical, hypocritical politician. This was what the media was for. But they still wanted to fight for her, so they were rooting for her um, fake news uh, troll army to actually get her re-elected and uh, get her as many votes that she would actually gain a position within the local council again and become mayor. 
And when election day came and the results came in, it actually showed that she had gotten over a thousand votes and uh, far more than expected, especially since she withdrew her candidacy. The second case in the thesis is the absolute queen of Danish news satire. The fictive journalist Kirsten Birgit Schürzkrets Hörsholm and her sidekick Rasmus Brun host the radio show Den Korte Weekendavis. The show and Kirsten Birgit has a so-called troll army consisting of the biggest fans of the show, an army that presumably voted for the politician Anime Allerslev to keep her in the mayor's office in Copenhagen. But if the election were in fact influenced by the troll army, what responsibility does that give the satirists behind Den Korte Weekendavis? The responsibility lies in what kind of reality they are contributing to shape. So whether it is uh, asking people or uh, trying to get people to vote in a specific way or just influencing the way they view politicians, the political system and laughing at politicians, um, they're still gaining access to our uh, minds and how we cope and see the world and that is a responsibility because more and more of our um, time and our views and thoughts are being focused towards political satire because we see it as a bigger and better way to get our information and get informed about society and that's the responsibility we want them to take that they are contributing to the reality we see around us or understand around us. Mm. And oftentimes the comedian's response is, well, what should you say, for example, Kirsten Birgit Schürzkrets <laughs> also campaigned against EU at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And the comedian behind, Frederik Silius, said, well, if we were a threat to this to our opposition, then they really have bigger problems. And doesn't he have a point in that? Yeah, yes and no. They don't have the same requirements or the same responsibility. Um there's not this social um presumed um opinions or morals towards it. Humor is far more flexible and fluent. You can't really control it, which also makes the satirists and people who um use humor as a way to tell information. It makes it uh really really uh, approachable and really understandable uh, like laying on a soft cushion and getting the not the hardcore information hitting your head hard um but it also makes them easier to like escape the responsibility and and I think that is the problem so when back in 2015 they did presumably have an influence on how people voted in the EU election um they won't being held up against it. They weren't being pinpointed because they could always just use humor as an escape. So the satirist needs to take a bigger responsibility. But what about the thousands of people who use this political news satire on a weekly basis? I think the responsibility lies very much with the consumers of satire. And um, so not just thinking that by watching uh, satirical news shows or programs or listening to um, satirical podcasts or radio programs. Um, You can't just think you're being critical towards the system by 
being a consumer of it. You have to reflect upon what is being produced because it is um it is affecting you in some way or another, especially if you if you consume it more and more, as it seems like people are doing. And so we're just saying instead of thinking it's enough to just turn on the TV or the radio, uh take away from that experience of watching it or listening to satire what it has given you what kind of perspective has it given you and what does it demand of you as a viewer towards the people who are producing it it's just so we don't end up being more pacified than we started off with because that is the danger of satire yeah but but uh, what evidence is there to support this because at one point you're saying that the satirists need to take responsibility because in cases with the Copenhagen-based politician, they went out and voted for her mm. through the satire. And the same with the critique of EU by Kirsten Birkenschutz-Kreisholm. So people act according to the satirist and it it kind of makes them more engaged in the political world What what supports the fact that it should kind of lullaby them to sleep instead? Uh, one of the theorists we use, uh, his name is Slavoj Zizek. He's a Slovenian philosopher. And uh, one of his sayings is, uh, don't act, just think. And uh, that might seem like a weird sentence if you're not familiar with his theories. But it, the the undertone of it is that don't necessarily think by just getting up and acting on it that you're doing something about it that uh, oh I have to go and make the world better here I go and do something instead it's far more efficient to actually just reflect upon it and be more cautious about the further development because getting up and just acting going up and voting for someone or uh, doing something else that may seem radical and something that can change the system Uh, is not necessarily what works in the long haul, and I. Th- it's of course with the notion that this master thesis is written out of a um, being critical towards society. I mean, having a critical uh, thought on the structures from where we see and base our d- democracy in Denmark, and I think more people could actually just do a lot by thinking differently. Uh, thinking it's such a cliche to say but just thinking outside the box because I think a lot of the time we think that's just the way it is oh we all hate these uh, politicians and they're so untrustworthy and we can't really count on them and they're just using it for their own gains and stuff like that and the same with journalists now it's not in their interest to uh you know, fight for the open democracy and make uh, it transparent for all to see uh, what's happening within Christiansborg um, or wherever you're at at the parliament. Um, but I think you you need to start reflecting that these structures, that this way of viewing politics and acting on politics is based on a certain thought that could very easily be changed if everyone starts thinking in a new way. These structures were severely challenged by the final case in the master thesis. Ted på Sandheden is a late night show like Conan O'Brien and Fallon and is hosted by comedian Jonathan Spang. The show really got in the heat 
when Jonathan Spang decided to show up for the press conference, at which before-mentioned Anime Allerslev decided to step down from her position as mayor. At the press conference, Jonathan Spang brought zero relevant questions, but instead asked Anime Allerslev what she thought of the new season of Game of Thrones and how much she liked corn both to a massive uproar from the journalists at the conference. This notion of political satire being the great pacifier, it's uh, its a pacifier of the mind, not of the action, if mm. I read you correctly, right? Mm. Ah, perfect, perfect. And you have been a bit around the media mill mm. with this uh, master thesis. Have you been interpreted the right way in the media? And no, and, and I think it's it seems very. I think we we caught something in the Danish media by criticizing something that's so beloved and so uh, popular at the moment. Because I don't think there really is some specific critique towards uh, Kirsten Birgit or Jonathan Spang and his very popular show Tid på Sandheden. And uh, I think by us going out and criticizing uh, or at least pinpointing that point of our uh, master thesis, you know, none of the good things about satire is really being talked about in the article and the critique we've been getting. Because we are very much praising satire and all the potential it has. Like, so many more people are aware about the current state in the Danish politics, uh, in Danish society in general, due to making it more appealing and making it fun to watch. Because traditional journalism there's so many different media outlets now uh, everyone's competing against our attention uh, for our attention and it just seems like satire is far more approachable and far easier to uh, um, digest the news that they're giving us or the information and um and so we wanted to say that as well as all the critical things i've just been mentioning now but it just seems as though we've been a product of the modern Uh, media as well being clickbait potential uh, the title of our article and um, there's this Facebook group that uh, one of the satire shows has uh, where we've been put literally to hate like we've been put on a I'm going to say almost like a bonfire and put fires like burning Jean of Dark and uh, yeah it's it's been interesting though because it seems like then we've definitely tapped into something people care about and maybe don't necessarily understand that much so you've kind of been victim of the media that has paved the way for this revival of political satire um not that the media has paved the way the mistrust towards the media has paved the way for political satire and i not saying that we've been that exposed in our master thesis but we have gotten a taste of this new media reality that we're experiencing where people are or medias are and journalists are competing against one another but then they're helping one another and if they have a common enemy it's far easier to collaborate and produce some things and it's what we also point out in our master thesis that satire is really good at exposing uh, in regards to the uh, media is this um, 
sort of hypocritical, double-sided role that journalists are playing nowadays. Um, they want to be the protector of democracy and make everything transparent for the people, yet they still cooperate in making it far more difficult to see what is happening behind the political curtains and uh, inside uh, the parliament buildings and everything. So not saying that that we're directly experienced that ourselves, but it's just interesting that because we criticized the media and we also now we also criticized the consumers of satire, it's as though they all unite against us and say we're wrong and that it's horrible to try and deny the Danish democracy satire because that is what democracy is grounded on. Perfect. Just uh, one last thing because right now we can say political satire is journalism's cheeky little brother or if you uh, take a look into the crystal ball where is political satire at in 20 years? We just point out that very much the younger generation we have this desire to keep being entertained and keep getting information we can't be bored uh, if we're watching a movie we have to like pull up our phone and scroll on Instagram or something while watching it we can't ever be satisfied um, and I think that is where satire is a really good medium to um, make us aware about stuff and give us information we need because it's again it's so attractive in the format that it entertains it but it also informs us so I think that will continue to be a popular media but I also think it could have a backlash that at some point because satire is also fake news in a certain sense or it's at least not always the entire truth um And that makes the line so blurry between what is real and what is not. And that is, again, going back to the reality ideology, that the real life is becoming like the reality series we watch on TV. It's the stage reality. And I think if satire remains to grow as it does now, it could cause a lot of problems in how we presume ourselves and we view the society we live in if we can't really say what is real and what is not and what is fake and what is true wouldn't the wouldn't people then desire old school objective news journalism again wouldn't wouldn't the trust to the to the media rise again i don't think the desire for tra- traditional objective news in that sense because i think we're too narcissistic to just want to join in and share the news together it has to be personal because we've become too uh, conformed with the facebook that this is like a personalized news feed that we get and and it bores us to read news that other people also read the exact same ones so i think traditional objective news is dying per se but that doesn't necessarily have to be bad but i just think not saying that you can't inform people in an objective way but I still think you, each person has, is becoming more connected to the news they're reading and that is why a lot of the news is being chosen or a lot of these uh, echo chambers that are being created is because people choose to not listen or read or see specific news material and and that is dangerous because then you're only making the reality you want for yourself you're only getting the information that perhaps Uh, enhances your own belief. 
With that, we say goodbye to Karoline Boas and her master thesis, The Satirist New Cloth. Whether or not there's any merit to this critique, maybe give it an extra thought next time you dive into your favorite new satire. One thing is for certain. We will laugh at our politicians and the media for many years to come. You have listened to CBS Wire. <laughs>